Good to see you here tonight. I hope you've looked forward to what God has for us. And let's go ahead and open our Bibles, Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. I'm going to look at uh, basically one verse tonight. We'll read two. I do want to remind you about the work day that Brother Brent mentioned a moment ago. And if all goes well and our schedule doesn't get booked up too crazy, this upcoming Saturday I will be up here working. And I'm going to speak with Brother John to make sure that all the material is going to be here. So uh, if any of our men are off next Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, want to come up here and work, uh, I will be here. Looking forward to a good time. If we get enough guys, we'll try to cook some hot dogs or something. We may even upgrade to hamburgers if we can get five or more guys. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me, let's think about that. But I'm going to try to get that project knocked out before basketball season opens up. Up. So let's try to make sure we, uh, we do our part in getting that done. I appreciate the men who've been working on it, uh, but don't want them to have all the fun. I mean, there's no reason that Brother John and Brother Danny get all the blessings for working on in the gym. All right, I want to spread the blessings around. I told you we're a socialist country now, just about, and so we want to spread the blessings around a little bit. So be sure you come out and, uh, and earn some of those blessings by helping us hang some sheetrock. And I mentioned something, I think it was last Sunday, that in November we're going to try to have a ministry marketplace. I haven't talked this up with our, our staff just yet, getting it all scheduled. But right now, in the back of my mind, I'm looking at November the 3rd. We'll kind of nail all of that down tomorrow as well. And what we're going to do is have a simple representation in the gym of all the ministries we have here at our church, kind of like an expo, and give everybody an opportunity to see what we have here and to get everybody plugged in. That's our goal over the next weeks and months, to get as many folks as we can plugged into the ministries. There's a lot of ministries that just need a few more able-bodied people, uh, some ministries that need some things done that maybe you have a skill set that can add to those ministries. So our goal is by the time January rolls around and we start a new year with a new theme, which by by the way, I'm personally very excited about, so be praying about that, uh, that everybody's ready to go. We don't want to start getting ready in January. We want to start getting ready now and get everybody plugged in by January. That way, January, we can have a full year of doing and fulfilling the will of God here at Central. So I'm going to kind of target that maybe November the 3rd on a Sunday night, and there's been an opportunity for you to find out where you might fit in. I'm going to try to have a representation of each of our ministries in the gym, and you better walk by and get a small piece of paper that'll give a brief description of of that ministry, and then what the needs are of that ministry, how much time you're going to have to devote to that ministry. And uh, I'm going to try by Wednesday night, if my wife will remind me, uh, she's been reminding me, but I haven't been making the announcement, uh, to have a form for all of our ministry leaders and meet with you on Wednesday night. I'm going to try to, if we can get all this together, and explain what I need from you. So let's be sure we, uh, we pray about that and find what God's part is. You know, when God leads you to a church, he leads you there to be a part of that body of Christ. There is a function for you to do. It's not just to come and to sit and to tithe, although those things are very much appreciated. Uh, there's a job for us all to do as part of this body of Christ. And when all of our, all of our parts come together and function as they should, we accomplish uh, what we can to the maximum ability that God will allow us to do that. So be in prayer about that, and I look forward to what God wants to do in the new year. I did fail to mention this morning I had a very special birthday, Miss Melissa. Where is she at? Somewhere around here. Well, it's her birthday. If you see Miss Melissa tonight, be sure you think, uh, give her a happy birthday and a pat on the back and $150, something like that, whatever you want to do. I'm sure she'll appreciate that, a Disney gift card, something like that. I appreciate Miss Melissa and the blessing she is to our church and how hard she works and I know our seniors appreciate her, or at least they better, for all the fundraising work she does for them. So be sure you wish her a happy birthday. And she's been hanging around my wife, so I imagine she's 29 again, too. So uh, we'll just leave it at there. Amen. Philippians chapter number one, let's stand together. <coughs> Philippians chapter number one, I'm sorry, chapter one, verse number 19. 
We'll read verse number 19, verse number 20, and we'll pray and let you be seated. And tonight's message is going to be kind of like last Sunday night, to piggyback to the, the morning thought. It kind of goes along with it, kind of a, uh, a lighter version of a part B to finish out the thought, a little bit more specificity. Is that the right way you say that? Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, Watch verse 20. There's a lot of meat in here. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Let's stop and pray there. Lord, I do thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to open it this morning. And Lord, thank you for what you accomplished through it. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would bless tonight that as your word is preached, that you would give us liberty to say and do what you'd have us to in the message. Lord, I ask tonight for boldness, for clarity and courage. And Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive it and apply the message tonight to our hearts. Bless the invitation. I pray your will be done in it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we talked a little bit about Nehemiah and looked at Nehemiah, and he's one of my heroes in the Old Testament. If you go in my first preaching Bible, I preached a lot out of Nehemiah. The pages are yellowed uh, right around there. It was always a lot of meat in the book of Nehemiah. That was something easy for my uh, feeble brain to understand as a teenage preacher. And matter of fact, I preached my first revival out of the book of Nehemiah when I was 18, and just a lot of good stuff in there. But one of the things you'll have to admire or that you, you can see in the life of Nehemiah is that he was motivated, as we spoke about this morning. But if you read the story of how he went to rebuild this wall and he revived the walls out of the rubbish that was there, in spite of all the difficulties and adversity that he faced, not just because of the, the things that were torn down and broken down that he had to rebuild, but there were adversaries, Sanballat and Geshem and Tobias, uh, the ones that were there always trying to get him to stop the work, and yet he just had a resilience about him that when I read that, it's something that I want in my life. You know, as a child of God, I want to be motivated, as we preached about this morning, to do the will of God. I want to have a confidence about me as I go to the will of God, and I want to have a resilience about me. Inevitably, you're going to come under attack as you seek to do the will of God, and you need to have a spiritual resilience about you. And we see this in the life of Paul as well in the New Testament. So often, Paul, uh, he had motivation. He was always going. I mean, he was pedaled to the metal his whole life. I don't think he knew uh, any kind of mediocrity. He was always going. And then he was resilient, a resilient in his walk with God to be able to fulfill the will of God in his life. And there's something tonight that I believe can be said about the Apostle Paul's service. And see, the Apostle Paul served with certainty. You see throughout his life and his testimony, his motivation, his confidence, his resiliency, it was all based on the certainty that Paul had in his service to God. I believe every time that Paul got cut, he bled certainty. I mean, he was singing there in the, in the jail with Silas. Uh, no matter how many times he was run out of town, beaten with rods and shipwrecked, Paul just kept going and going and going because he had a certainty about the service that he was doing. Now, folks, I believe this is something we lack tonight in our service to God. We lack a certainty about us. Now, remember, we can go through the motions. We all know how. If you've been in church very long, it doesn't take long to start mimicking people that serve God. And we can go through the motions, and we know the right things to say, and we know the right things to do, but we are doing it on the outside, but while on the inside, we do not have much certainty about us. And it shows up when we start getting a little bit of resistance, 
It starts to show up when we start getting a little bit of persecution, just how certain about, about our service we are, because when we are certain and we encounter resistance or we encounter persecution or temptation, when we are certain, we're going to plow right through it. But if we do not have a grounded faith, a faith that is certain about what we are doing and why we are doing it, when we experience temptation and we experience resistance, what happens is we turn tail and go home. Now hear me out tonight, as time continues and sin continues to flourish and grow exponentially, I mean, there were things that we used to be ashamed of, and they always took place in society, but they were taking place in the shadows, in the dark alleys, and yet now there's something we're proud about. I mentioned to you yesterday, you can go to any college campus in America and see these things. You can go just about to any, any city in America and see these things. But it's amazing how, you know, things such a line of alcohol and profanity and things like that used to be frowned upon. And now they're not frowned upon. We've even forgot how to blush about such things. It doesn't bother us anymore. And it's because sin is growing on an exponential rate now, folks, if we don't understand and we don't develop a way to have some spiritual certainty, we're not going to make it very long in this thing of ministry and our service to God. So in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 20, we see a basic outline of how we can have certainty in our service. And we're talking about knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it and how to keep doing it. And what's interesting is the context of Philippians chapter 1. The context of Philippians chapter 1 is Paul is writing these words while in prison. Now, notice the boldness in verse number 20. Paul said, or verse number 19, for I know, doesn't sound like somebody who's wavering, does it? This shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope. Now, here's someone in prison, and they're talking about their expectation and their hope. He goes on to say that in nothing I shall be ashamed. If I was arrested for the cause of Christ and thrown in jail, I would be singing the blues. I'd be the guy sitting there with a little harmonica, just playing it, a sad little song there in the corner of my cell. And yet we notice Paul, he says, I'm not ashamed. And he goes a step further to say, but that with all boldness, as always, notice that boldness and always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified. I mean, there's, look, there's a certainty there. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a certainty we all need right now. And I can tell you, if you don't have it now, you better get it as soon as possible because you're going to need it later. I tell you, if you're under the age of, uh, of 40 here, I'm going to raise my hand because I am, amen? You're under the age of 40, you're going to see things that those that are over the age of 40 never dreamed you would see in the United States of America. You're going to see a persecution unlike any, I think, that any generation of Americans has ever seen when it comes to the cause of Christ. I mean, right now, listen, right now, you can take your Bible to school if you want. They try to make you think you can't, but you can Right now, you can pray at school, and right now, uh, you can be a Christian out in public. But listen, before long, it's going to get rough. Before long, there's going to be people in prison for things just that we're doing tonight. And you're going to need a certainty that will keep you there, an expectation and a hope that you're not ashamed, and yet you're bold, and as always, you're determined that Christ is going to be magnified. That's what we've got to have. If we don't have that, I hate to tell you, the cause of Christ will stumble and fall on our behalf because of the fact that we didn't take the time to be certain about what we're doing. So 
Tonight, we're going to look at this certainty, the simple message on finding certainty in our service. And we saw that this morning in Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a certainty about his service, and Paul's going to show us in the New Testament exactly how to do that. So look at verse 20. As Paul is in prison, he's writing about, verse 19, he says, I know this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer, the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. According to my earnest expectation and my hope. According to my earnest expectation and my hope. Now that word according is very important. Because we have verse number 19, and we have verse number 20. Paul's in prison, but Paul is fixing to give us the root, the ground, the basis for the certainty that he has. So notice number one, he started with certainty. And we see that when he says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. Here's what he's saying. He says, all that I have, all that I am, all that I say, all that I do is based on something. It has a ground underneath it. It's according to my earnest expectation and my hope. The word according means this, based on or because of. Based on or because of. Now, we're seeing the certainty he has goes all the way down to a starting point. And the certainty that Paul had in his service and what he said and what he did was based upon something that was solid. And it was his expectation and his hope. Now, understand tonight, if you're going to have any type of certainty that produces boldness and faithfulness and that you're not ashamed of the cause of Christ, you're going to have to be able to dig down deep and find something solid. So much of our ministry today and so much of our service is truly based on emotion and feeling. Now, understand that. I like emotions and I like feelings. I was at a ball game last night, as you well know. I told you all about it this morning. And I told Brother Brent, I think next time I'd rather go to a cupcake game. You know, when they played one of those nobody teams, maybe I'd be able to enjoy that one more. I was tense. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I'm watching on the field. I'm, I'm getting mad at guys I've never met out there on the field. I mean, come on. Me and a, a bunch of people in the stands, we were getting mad there right before halftime. That was emotion. It was a feeling that I had. There's nothing wrong with that in the right place. But understand, our faith and our service cannot be built on emotions and feelings and desires. It must be built on something solid. And Paul said, it's my expectation and my hope. It's built according to that. I think I have told you this before, but I'll tell you again because you probably weren't listening the first time or maybe you forgot The Leaning Tower of Pisa is an interesting place. I've never been there, but I've seen many pictures and talked with folks who have. And it's a tower that is leaning. That is why it's called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Just in case you didn't know that, give you a little bit of a history lesson there. What's interesting is the word Pisa means marsh. It means marsh. Do you know why the tower is leaning? It's because of what it is based upon. Because of what it is built upon. The Tower of Pisa was built upon a marsh, and the marsh allowed the foundation to begin to sink. And the reason the tower is leaning is because it wasn't built on something solid. Folks, understand this. If you're not built upon something solid and your service to God based on a solid expectation and hope, before long your service is going to start leaning. See, all over this country tonight, preachers, churches, Christians, and their service and their faith to God is leaning. Why? Because it was based on something other than a solid expectation and hope. 
Now, folks, listen to me. You're going to live according to something. You're going to serve according to something. Paul says, what's got me this far and what I'm going to trust to get me the rest of the way is the solid foundation of the expectation and hope that I have. And by the way, it got him across the finish line. Now, what I wonder tonight is what is your service to God based upon? What is it built upon? Is it built upon a preacher? Is it built upon who you see in church? Is it built upon a feeling that you have when you come? Listen, all of that stuff's going to get thinned out real quick. When you face a little bit of persecution, you face a little bit of pushback from the world, you're going to find out real quick what you're built upon. And I pray tonight that your service to God is built on a solid expectation and hope in Christ because if it's not, it will fail every time. 1 Corinthians 3, the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay, and that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. There's no other foundation than that. We, we sing the song. As a matter of fact, uh, I've got a book. If you look under your seat, some of you might have a book. You can follow along with me. I want to read something to you. For page 477 in our hymn books tonight, there's a song. It's a song called The Solid Rock. Well, you know it. We've sang it many times. No, I'm not about to sing it for you. No, we're not going to do that. I think we quench the spirit real quick. Don't want to do that tonight. 477. Here's what it says. Listen close. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Do you know what that means? My hope is according to the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, I can have certainty when I lay my head on my pillow at night. Certainty, why? Because my faith is according to the blood of Jesus Christ. It's built on that. It's based on that. And my certainty comes from what it's built upon. Look, you folks who are basing your salvation on works tonight, no wonder you look so scared. Because look, you can be lost one day, saved, uh, lost one day, saved one day, lost another day. Man, that's no way to live. I mean, you got something solid and you got something fall down. You got something solid. I'm glad I, I have my faith tonight in something that'll stand. Listen close. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Folks, tonight, what is it saying? It's saying you have certainty in your faith because of what your faith is based on. Paul says, I have certainty in my service because of my earnest expectation and my hope. Here's what's interesting. When you look at a foundation, the foundation is the starting point of what you're going to build. The foundation's got to be right. The foundation's got to be solid. I don't know how many times uh, my dad and I, my brother, we used to build houses, and we'd go out to a job site, and there would be a, just a grassy yard where somebody wanted a house. We'd go out there, and we'd scrape off the topsoil and the grass and get down to some red Mississippi clay. We'd get out there and play in the dirt for a few weeks. Boy, that was, that was fun. Not really, but it paid the bills. We'd get out there, and we'd dig footers out in that clay, bring in sometimes some field dirt, and we'd pack it and roll it and pack it and roll it, pack it and roll it, and let the sun cook it for a while. What are we doing? We're getting the foundation ready. That's the starting point. Now, you understand that what happens to the walls and what happens to the ceiling and what happens to the roof is all dependent upon what it's founded upon. So what it's founded upon has got to be solid. We go back out there and check it. It's still too wet. It was pumping. You stand on it. You start pumping the water up after a while. Can't build on that. 
Can't build on that. You got to have something solid. You've got to make sure you start right. And I believe tonight many of us need to scratch off a whole bunch of junk the way that Nehemiah did and get, get back down to something solid. That way you have some certainty in your service to God. I mean, you'll be amazed at how much cannot move you if you just had certainty about your service. Tonight, you can live, you can serve, and you can succeed based on something solid, or you can fail accordingly. I don't know about you, but I, I hate to see families fail. I believe the family is the ultimate target for Satan in our world today. We think it's the church. I believe it's the family. Because if you can get the family, he's got the church. Because what is the church? The church is just a bunch of families. So he goes after the family in order to get the church. And so I hate it when I see a family fail. After a family falls and a family falls apart, you'll kind of do an autopsy of it. Figure out how did this family fall? And usually you dig all the way back down and you'll find there was foundation problems. It wasn't built on something solid. It was built on a romantic feeling or it was built on personal desire. It was built on a fleshly lust. It wasn't built on something solid. That's why they fall. I was thinking this afternoon about bus ministry years ago. A man came to me at our church, and he says, I want to start a bus ministry. I said, not right now. None of that sounds mean, doesn't it? Not right now. Let me tell you why I didn't tell him we could start the bus ministry. It's because the words that he used was, I want to start a bus ministry. Wanting to start a bus ministry is not a good reason to start a bus ministry. Because if you start it simply because you wanted to, after a while, you won't want to anymore. You get hit in the head with a rock, punched in the eye, poked, a, poked in the nose. I mean, I've had some weird stuff happen to me on a bus before. We were in Montana, and my dad would tell you about a kid by the name of Bubba. Bubba was a little Indian kid about this tall. It was on the, on the uh, Crow Indian Reservation in Pryor, Montana. Oh, Bubba needed Jesus. We're just going to put it that way, bad. I hope Bubba come to know Jesus, but he didn't at the time, and you could tell it. Old Bubba's sitting up there on the side of the bus. We didn't kind of keep with a lot of the rules of the road, okay? Just kind of packed as many as you can and get them to Bible school. And we're sitting there, and Bubba has this rock, and he's swinging it at me, swinging it at me, swinging it at me. And, you know, I'm, I'm 5'11 at the time, and I'm not going to let this three-foot little kid, you know, uh, shake me. So he swings a rock at me, and I grab his fist, and I go, <laughs> all of a sudden, I didn't realize he had one in the left hand. <laughs> Caught me upside the head. Can I tell you, adversity can take away your want to. If the only reason you run a bus is because you want to, after a while, you won't want to anymore. If after you come up and say, Brother Jeremiah, I, I feel like that I would like to start a bus route. Look, you won't feel like it long. I feel like I should start this mission. Can I tell you what you need? You need to get down to a place that we call a calling of God, a burden from God. That's something solid. I remember when I started to preach, came home, told my dad. Uh, my mom was crying, and my dad says, you're preaching in two weeks. He says, we're going to find out if you're called or not. He says, you're not going to be mama called and dad sent. He says, you got to have a calling. Because when you get out there to serve God, and it gets fiery, and it gets rough, and, and you have deacons and, and stuff like that, you're going to need to know that God called you, or you're not going to have any certainty in your ministry. So far, so good. I'm thankful, look, in the worst days, I go back to my calling. Why? Because that's a solid foundation to start with. You've got to have something solid. Notice he says in verse 20, according. He says, built upon, based upon, my service is built and based upon my earnest expectation and my hope. Listen close. We will serve according to our expectation and our hope. 
You will serve and you will serve with certainty and fervency based on your expectation and your hope. We see that in Moses' life, Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says that Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. Now, how could someone choose to suffer affliction? He chose based on his earnest expectation and his hope. Moses was looking for a city, not down here. Moses was looking for one that was built by God. That was his expectation and his hope. That's why he's listed in Hebrews 11, the, the hall of fame of faith. A couple of my favorites is Joshua and Caleb. Oh, Joshua and Caleb. Man, they kept fighting, they kept fighting, and they kept standing, they kept standing. What was motivating Joshua and Caleb? What made Joshua and Caleb have such certainty in their walk with God? Well, you remember Caleb had his eye on a mountain. When he got to the end of his road, if you will, and they possessed the promised land, the Bible says that Caleb says, now therefore give me that mountain. You see, he kept the mountain in mind. Caleb was willing to fight. Caleb was willing to stand. It was all based on his expectation and his hope of what God had prepared. Now, wouldn't it be neat if we had that kind of certainty tonight? That we'd be willing to fight? That we'd be willing to stand? That we'd be willing to stay and be faithful through all the adversity? Look, Joshua and Caleb were in the minority. They were two out of 12. But says, you know what? If, look, if you other guys don't want it, we'll take it. We're going to hold on to that. See it in the life of Peter when he walked on water. How was he able to do that? It was according to his earnest expectation and his hope. Nehemiah was motivated by it. We saw that this morning. Romans chapter 4, I'm going to read this to you real quick to your left, and we'll get to the second one. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. The Bible is speaking of Abraham. The Bible says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken... So shall thy seed be. Listen close to verse 19. And be not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. As far-fetched as it was, 100-year-old Abraham, look, you're going to be a daddy. Look, I'm 39. If the Lord told me I was going to be a dad today, I'd laugh. I would. I met somebody the other day that's older than me who's expecting a baby, and it kind of scares me now. I prayed for another child for years and for years and for years, but now I've forgotten how to do all of that stuff, so I kind of want to go retract my prayer. I'm good. I'm good. You know, can we pull that one back? Is there a statute of limitations on prayer? If God would tell me today you're going to have a baby at 39, oh my goodness, I'd have to be watching YouTube videos on changing diapers and warming milk and how to know not to scald your child and what they can eat and they can't eat. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. The Bible says that Abraham staggered not. Why? Because of his earnest expectation and his hope. So number one, notice that he started with certainty. He says, everything goes back to my expectation and my hope. That's where it starts. But then notice in verse 20, keep reading real quickly. That in nothing I shall be ashamed. That in nothing I shall be ashamed. He goes on to say, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. So watch this progression, if you will. Paul is not just holding out with his faith. I'm just holding on, trying to survive. That's how many of us today we're living. We're just surviving. No, watch Paul go on the offensive 
And he says, I'm not going to be ashamed. And said, I'm going to be bold. So now, watch close. He started with certainty. Number two, now he's standing with certainty. He started with certainty. Now he's standing. Can I tell you, when you find something solid, stand there. You ever been walking across a creek or a river? been canoeing on the Okotoma or kayaking, something like that. And there's all these kind of holes out there in the Okotoma, and you're walking through, walking through there, and next thing you know, kaboosh. I've done that many times, rescuing some of these uncoordinated teenagers as they try to kayak the river. You go out there, and you find out there's a hole, and you sink out there in the middle of the You found a spot that wasn't solid. You're better off staying on the solid ground. Stay there. The Bible says that Paul says, I found an earned expectation and hope, and it's solid, and I'm going to stand there unashamed. Now, the key word there is unashamed. Why is Paul unashamed? Because he knew what he was standing on would not let him down. He knew that what he chose to stand on and to put his expectation and hope in was going to hold him up. That's like the song, The Solid Rock. Hey, you can scratch off a spot right there and stand there till the Lord comes back. Why? Because it's not going to let you down. We sing the song, the blood will never lose its power. It's never going to let us down. You have no reason to be ashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's solid ground. You find a spot to start there, just stay there. We were walking through Tiger Stadium yesterday. I'm sure our friends here that took us probably thought I was just a redneck uh, in awe of the world as we walked through this massive stadium. I turned to Brother John and I says, it's all concrete. I mean, this massive, massive stadium, and it's concrete. There was over 102,000 people there yesterday, and it was raucous. I mean, some of those folks, I told you this morning, they soaked up all the sights and sounds and liquids that were there to be soaked up. And that place was moving. I mean, those folks were excited, and man, there's a turnovers, interceptions, and yet that place never shook. Do you know why? Because it's solid. It's a place that you could stand. It's a place that you could see. You see, I wasn't worried about it because I didn't walk underneath looking at that place, and I realized it would hold all of us and some. Now, folks, that's the way our faith ought to be tonight. There's no need for us to go looking for anything else because the solid ground we find with our faith, that's what's going to give us certainty. Stay there. Stay there. Luke chapter 6, verse 48. I'm going to read this to you. Luke chapter 6, the Bible tells us the account of the man who built one on the solid rock and one who built on sand. John chapter 6 and verse number 48, the Bible says this. I'm sorry, not Luke chapter 6. I got my notes wrong there. Luke chapter 6, verse 48. I'll give you that one while we're there. Did I write this down wrong? Evidently I did. No, I didn't. I'm in John, not Luke. Late night last night. Can we talk it up to that? At least we won, amen. Luke chapter 6 and verse 48. Listen close. The Bible says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house. Listen close to this and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. He found something solid and he built there. He found something that would hold it up and he built there. And the Bible says that when the storm came, it could not shake it. 
I want you to know that's certainty. This is something every Christian in every Christian home needs tonight. Every Christian teenager needs tonight. They need to know that what they're built upon is something solid that can't be shaken. Now, folks, if we don't give our kids this kind of foundation, they're sunk. Because as soon as the storm comes, it's going to blow this thing away. We see it in verse 49. He that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently. And can I tell you tonight, the stream will always beat vehemently. The Bible says that immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. You know what I always wondered about verse number 49? I wonder what was in the house. I wonder if there were kids in there. I wonder if there was a wife in there. I wonder how many earthly possessions they had worked so hard to put in there and they ignored building the foundation and decided they're going to go ahead and get all the stuff the world has and put it in this house that would ultimately be washed away. Why? Because they didn't build on something solid. Our faith, our service to God must be built on something solid that will stand. Ephesians 6, the Bible tells us so many times, and having done all to what? Stand. We've got to make sure that our faith is based on something solid. We start with our earnest expectation and our hope, and then we stand on our earnest expectation and our hope. We see this in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king tells them, I'm going to give you another chance to change your mind. And they says, oh, king, we're not careful. We're not worried. Now, listen, I don't think they were popping off at the mouth and, uh, and trying to be boisterous. I think they were just being honest and confident with him. They had certainty about the place that they stood. Oh, would it be a blessing, mom and dad, if the world began to persecute our kids and begin to push our kids and tempt our kids, and yet our children are not careful to answer? Wouldn't it be wonderful if our children were not hesitant to raise their hand and say, yes, I'm one of those Christians? Because they know that where they have started is a place that they can stand, and they know that they can stay there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew they had a good spot, and they said, you know what, we're, we're going to stay where we have decided to start. So number two, we see him standing. And then finally, if you look at the last part of this verse, the Bible says, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. And this is the interesting part. Whether it be by life or by death. By life or by death. Now we're getting serious. Paul says, I, I base everything I started with my earnest expectation and my hope. My service is based on that. And he says, I'm going to stand on that. And at the end of this verse, he says, and he shows you how far he's willing to take his service, whether it be by life or death. Number three, he stayed with certainty. He started with certainty, he stood with certainty, and now he is staying with certainty. Here's what he's saying. He says, listen, it's got me this far. It's got me this far. We know the song John Newton, Amazing Grace, the song John Newton wrote. And he goes on and he says this. He says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Now listen close. That saved a wretch like me. There's the start. There's the start, okay? Then it goes on to say, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. What is he saying now? He says, It stood this far, okay? And then it says, Tis grace that's brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. He says, you know what? I'm going to stick with it. 
It's been good enough to get start with. It's been good enough to stand with. And it's good enough to stay with. Folks, can I tell you something tonight? This is the type of faith we must have. This is the kind of certainty we must have. Because eventually, dangers, toils, and snares are coming. And you're going to need something solid to stand on that's going to get you across the finish line. There's too much of this wishy-washy stuff. My feelings got hurt. I'm in. I'm out. I don't like this. I don't like that. Look, you need to find something solid. Stand on it. Stay on it till the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. That's how he found Paul. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. He started. He stood. And he stayed. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Folks, we're just, we're so moody. I'm guilty too. Ask my wife. I can sulk with the best of them. Believe it or not, preachers have feelings, and they get hurt every once in a while. Sometimes we're, we're super sensitive sometimes. Man, they didn't look at me. They didn't shake my hand. They didn't smile. And, oh, I just go home and just cry the blues to my wife. She says, suck it up, you know, and <laughs> gives me a pep talk and a Red Bull, and we're good to go, you know. <laughs> Folks, can I tell you, when you find something solid, listen, stand there, stay there. Stand there. Look, can I tell you, this church is a solid church. Look, it's a great place to stand, great place to stay. Be careful chasing shiny objects that the world offers under the name of church. Look, you better decide tonight whether this church is preaching what thus saith the Lord and teaching what thus saith the Lord and decide, you know what? That's solid ground. The preacher may not be pretty. My wife says I am, but my mom says I am, but you know, Preacher don't have to be pretty. The preaching may not be pretty. But boy, if you got solid ground, you better stay there. I was yesterday in Baton Rouge and went to McDonald's. I got snacky. And a McDonald's fries are hard to beat, aren't they? I like to dip them in their barbecue sauce. It's just kind of one of those things, you know? And so I stopped to get some of those there, not far from uh, Brother Bartlett's house. And walked in and got behind a lady in line, and she was wearing her uniform. And I'm trying to figure out what kind of uniform she's wearing. You know, I turn she turned around, she was wearing a jack-in-the-box uniform. And right across the street was a jack-in-the-box restaurant. Across the street from McDonald's. Now, I know you get tired of eating jack-in-the-box. Okay, you folks that work in the food service industry, I know you get tired of that every once in a while. But I looked at that and said, boy, there's a lot of Christians like that. We're wearing one uniform and we're shopping somewhere else. In and out, back and forth, on and off. I mean, we just can't find a spot to stay for very long. We're like the people that Jesus talked about in, in John chapter 6. This is the one I was telling you about, verse 68, when the Bible says after Jesus began to teach and to preach and they couldn't comprehend it, that they just checked up and took off. The Bible says, and many left him, and he looked at the disciples, and he says, will you also go away? You going to run off too? Peter looked at him, and he says, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. Here's what Peter's saying. He says, we had the right thing when we found you and you found us. We have no need to go anywhere else. Because what we got is worth sticking with. I'll tell you this tonight. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17 and we'll be done. I want you to see something. Jeremiah chapter 17. Ironically, I meant to mention this this morning. I didn't feel led to this morning, so we're going to mention it tonight. Jeremiah 17. What are we talking about? We're talking about certainty in our service. How are we going to have certainty? Well, you've got to start right. It's got to be built on a solid, earnest expectation, in my hope. And then stand there. You can be bold in your stand when you know where you stand. 
And then we're, we're talking about staying with certainty right now. The end of verse, uh, chapter 17, look at verse number, verse number 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Now notice that departure. You're departing from that solid ground. You're wading off into deep water. Verse 6, For he shall be like... The, the heath in the desert, and shall not when, when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabit it. My favorite part is verse 7 and 8. Let's get to the good news and finish on a good note on a Sunday night. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. So there's a blessing, but he describes the blessing in verse number 8. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters. That spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. I love the Bible and the illustrations the Word of God gives us to see what he's trying to convey. The Bible says, for when we trust in the Lord and our hope is in the Lord, he shall be as a tree planted by the waters. What is the song that we sing? I shall not be moved. I don't know how many kids' choirs I've heard sing the song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. They always put the emphasis on that second part. If you haven't sang that, Brother Heath, when you get these teenagers to sing that, I think it'd be a blessing to hear from them uh, on that song. And the chorus says, like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Why? Because our hope and our trust is in the Lord. Folks, I don't know what the, the world's going to hold in the next year or the two or three. We have an election coming up. This thing could get turbulent real quick. You better have some certainty in your service. You better not be serving because mom and dad told you to. That's not going to last very long. That's not going to hold up. You better not be serving because you like the feeling that you get. You better be serving according to your earnest expectation in my hope. Your hope, that's where you start. And then that's where you stand and that's where you stay. And you stay put on that solid rock. And the Bible says it will be as a tree planted by the waters. You see in verse number 8, the effects of the environment are not affecting the tree. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to serve God in a dark, in a wicked world and not be affected by what's going on around us? Folks, I don't know what the world's going to hold in the next few years, but it's the will of God. We serve with certainty. We start, we stand, and we stay based on the earnest expectation of our hope. So my question tonight to you is, where's your hope? What is your service based on? It's according to what? According to the weather? According to who else comes to church? According to what who else says? No, why don't you serve God according to your earnest expectation and your hope, and you'll start, you'll stand, and you'll stay there. Amen? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.